Hi, I'm Nikki. Let's take a look at some things that are coming up here at Crossroads. Light Company kickoff is just a few days away and we are so excited to get started. This after school program will run every single Wednesday. It's a great way to teach kids about Jesus through action packed services and tons of fun activities. Registration is gonna be open until Sunday, August 21st and signing up is easy. Just go to cccgo.com elementary and click the registration link. The Agape Fund is an amazing ministry that helps assist active members here at Crossroads with financial needs. To help grow this fund so we can reach even more people, you can use the offering envelopes in the seat backs in front of you today, or you can click Agape when giving online at cccgo.com. There are tons of support groups that meet here at our Newburgh campus as well as our West Campus in Evansville. No matter what you're going through, there's probably a support group that you can benefit from. These groups are gonna run August 29th through December 5th. And don't worry if you've never joined a group before because it's a brand new semester, so everyone is gonna be on the same page. For more information, you can go to cccgo.com slash support groups or check out our fall ministry catalog. For more information, you can always stop by the Connection Center, and if you're new to Crossroads, we'd love to meet you in guest gathering after our service. Thank you so much for joining us in our service today. Understand that it's a tense moment right now because you're asking yourself, is this guy going to be boring? I, I went to a, a Christian college and we'd have different chapel speakers and every time I would sit there and just wait for that first word and I could just peg it every time. Well, I want you to know it's not my desire to bore you this morning. It is my desire to have the word of God set you free. I want to tell you that uh, Patrick kind of understated it, man. I, I, I want to tell you that the, my first year with Patrick, man, at Southeast Christian Church, I just want to let you know that it was absolutely miserable. <laughs> he is underselling how horrible he and his buddies were. And I can't explain it to you because I'm not allowed to from where I'm standing. But I will tell you that I believe three of you guys are in full-time ministry now, aren't you? And, and the rest of them are loving Jesus, man. The rest of them are just loving Jesus. Don't give up. <clears throat> it might take you a year to like Patrick. I understand that. <laughs> I have been there. Man, we, we sang this song this morning and the line got to me, the cross is enough, the cross is enough, the cross is enough. Meaning, I, I would think that Jesus <clears throat> is enough. Jesus is enough. But here's my question for you this morning. Is he? Is he enough? 
Is the cross enough? And enough for what? How good are you at, let me, let me put it in another way. How good are you at enjoying your Christianity? Is God content with who you are? I mean, is he just thrilled with you, loving you, loves being around you? Are you content with where you are in God? Is there this incredible, in-depth, loving relationship? Or is there a constant tension between you and the Savior? Just, just I, I hear some people pray, and it's like they're at a board meeting. Oh, God, you know, um, I love you, and I worship you. There is no familiarity, no closeness, no, no evidence of a relationship. How good are you at enjoying your Christianity? Let me give you a personal illustration of what I'm talking about. I was, about a year ago, I was flying, I don't remember where I was flying from, but I remember I was flying back to Los Angeles. And I woke up on the plane, and this is how I began my prayer. I just wanted to pray, wanted to connect with the Father. This is how I began my prayer. Oh God, I'm so sorry. God, oh God, I'm so sorry. But I couldn't remember why I was sorry. I just knew that if I was going to go to this incredible God, that I had to be sorry. Even though when Jesus told us how to pray, he said, man, just start with how much you love God. Just worship and praise God. I understood at that moment that I did not understand grace. Like a light came on. I understood that I did not understand the gospel, salvation, the grace of God. I understood that at that moment in my life, Jesus and the cross was not enough. At least I thought it wasn't. In Psalms chapter 51, David writes these words, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great passion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. David was led to pen these words after he had grievously sinned against God. You remember he had committed adultery with this woman named Bathsheba. And then she got pregnant, so to cover it up, instead of just coming out with it, he had her husband murdered. I would call those some pretty grievous sins. Both make the top 10 list of don'ts as laid out in the Bible. They're both in the 10 commandments. When in 2 Samuel, God sends his prophet Nathan to confront David because David has refused to acknowledge his sin. But once David is confronted, his repentance is immediate. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Now to be sure, there are some great consequences to his sin. The baby's not allowed to live. And David says, I'm not going to be able to see you until I myself enter into glory. His family would hear of his mistake and, and, would, and he would lose their respect and suffer kind of all of the natural consequences of that. To be sure, when we do the wrong thing, sometimes there, there are consequences that are just going to slam us. But God does something completely unexpected. Something that I would not have seen coming if I hadn't read the passage all the way through. You know what that is? 
He lets David keep being the king. That's huge to me. David's confession reconnects him with God immediately. He, he doesn't hide in a cocoon of self-pity and condemnation. He doesn't buy into Satan's greatest lie, the lie that will sideline most of us at some time throughout our Christianity, and that's this. I'm not worthy to serve God anymore. God can't use me. You don't know what I've done. He just presses on towards the mark of serving God and serving people. He keeps being the king that God called him to be. Because David understood something that not all of us understand in our Christianity. And some of us will never get there. Once you have called upon the name of Jesus as your Savior, you have connected to a God who will never let you go. I've spent a lifetime in ministry watching Davids. People who just came to know Jesus and they, they, uh, there was immediate growth. They start digging into God's word. They start praying and their lives are transformed. They're just sold out saints. But I've also witnessed a lot of Christians that are just what I would call constantly confused. They truly love God. They want to have this relationship with them. The problem is they never feel adequate enough. And I've watched many people give up in the struggle and settle for a lukewarm relationship with God. They, they may have even started out storming the kingdom, but somehow along the way they got lost in the, on the march. For much of my Christian life, I know I have fallen into that category of constantly confused. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pastor, I have a degree in biblical studies, but there are times, and I realized when I was on that plane, I don't understand grace. I don't get it. God, I'm confused. Uh, most of us have the way to be saved down, don't we? We've walked the Romans road. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But then Paul presses on to Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pretty simple. And in case you missed it, Paul boils it down in Romans 10, 13 and says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know that, it is the greatest simplicity. Jesus, I believe you love me and died on the cross to pay for my sins. I need that salvation. I need that payment. I'm going to call upon your name. And Paul said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The good news of salvation is extremely simple. And for the most part, we get it down. I repent. I believe, I receive, I'm saved. I know I'm supposed to follow the Lord into baptism. But after that, it really starts to get muddy. Enter in the constantly confused believer. For the rest of our lives, you are going to hear things like Mark 8, 34. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. You're going to hear John 8, 11, go and sin no more. You're going to hear 1 Corinthians 6, 9, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
You're going to hear Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You're going to hear these amazing sermons, and you're going to become extremely motivated to the compelling message, and you're going to want to be obedient. But so often, you're going to find yourself failing miserably. You know what I mean? It's like writing your sin on a beach ball and then standing in a pool and trying to hold it under the water. It just gets harder and harder and harder, and eventually it just all comes bubbling right back up to the top. I, 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 we're caught up in our selfish ways. We really, we, we really don't even know what it means to take up the cross, do we? What cross? Where am I taking it? Where am I following you to, God? Jesus said, go no more, go, go and sin no more. But man, I can hardly begin my day without feeling like I'm sinning. And I dig my feet and I go, God, whatever that is, I'm never going to do it again. And then I do it again. Not only did I mess up, but I broke a promise with God. And now I'm in worse trouble. The Bible says that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I keep doing wrong. How can I possibly expect to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, go into the world, and I, I want to, but man, sometimes I don't know how to share Christ with my family, let alone my neighbors and coworkers, and it's, oh, man, enter in. I'm so confused. I'm either going to walk away from this whole thing, or at the very least, I'm going to do what little I can to manage and hope I get in somehow. Does that define any of you? Man, it did me with... Biblical degrees and years of preaching behind me. So confused. The cross is enough. The cross is enough. The cro is, is Jesus enough or isn't he? I, I want to make a suggestion to you who are struggling today. Stop everything. Just, just stop. I think it's time for a new download. It's time that you and I really understood the whole gospel, the rest of the story, if you will. I mean, I get, I get that, you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I came to know Jesus. I was 17 years old. And when I die, I get to go to heaven. It's the in-between time that confuses the heck out of me. It's the in-between time that makes me go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I'm so filthy. Oh, God, I'm so foul. Oh, God, you can't use me. I, I, I get 10% of the gospel, but what I don't understand is that the other 90% of the gospel is enjoying from this point to this point. The other 90% of the gospel is enjoying every day. The, every 90% of the gospel is waking up and going, man, God loves me. I have a 19-year-old son and a 22-year-old daughter. And my 19-year-old son and I still, man, we, in my phone, he's, he's under best buddy, and my daughter is under best friend. And he called, man, we, we play golf at least once a week. We watch TV shows, Stranger Things. Wow, amazing show that just came out on Netflix. Man, and we'll be like, you want to watch another episode? How can we not watch another episode? I go to coffee with my daughter. I went to coffee almost every day from the time my daughter was 12 till 20 until she got married. Almost every day. Still go to coffee with her. I have an amazing 
relationship with my children, and I am not a better father than my father. But I don't think God wants that with me. I think God, I think I wake up in the morning and God's like, oh, I can't look at you. Oh, God, I don't want to be around you. That is not God. He wants coffee. He wants us. He loves us. He enjoys us. He's not enduring us. Most of us are enduring a life that we were meant to enjoy. Stop it. There's your spiritual wisdom and guidance this morning. Stop it. I can't imagine if my son woke up every morning, hey, Dad, remember on the golf course when, when I was making fun of your chipping? Man, I'm so sorry, Dad. I feel so bad. I was disrespectful to you. And I said, dude, that's all right, man. I love you. Then at lunch, hey, Dad, remember that whole thing? I'm so sorry, Dad. And, man, you remember a couple years ago when I did this? And, oh, and, and, he, and, every, and then I say, man, it's okay. And then I see him at dinner, and he goes, oh, Dad, I'm still so sorry. What kind? Stop being Sorry. Just let me be around you, Josh. Just let me enjoy you. Just let me love the time with you. That's what your father's looking for. That's the rest of the gospel. That's the whole story. I'm going to read some verses to you this morning, and I know you've read them. I know you guys are scholars, but just, I want you to do something. I want you to erase every sermon you've ever heard and just hear these verses fresh. Like you're on a deserted island and you just picked up this Bible for the first time. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man, when you were still at your worst, when you didn't care anything about God, when you didn't even know him. Verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still sinners, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, check this out, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. With God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We stand in this place. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us that we stand in this place that we don't deserve to be in. There's so much going on. Did you catch all this? Did you hear it all? You are right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. You are saved from condemnation. Your friendship is fully restored. You're saved through his life. You're allowed to rejoice in your new relationship with him. It doesn't matter what's going on in your mind or in your heart right now. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, catch this. You are, you are as holy and as righteous as who you'll ever be. That's who you really are. That's the whole gospel. While we were still his enemies. And we missed that. That's the whole gospel. Every but, but you don't know what I did. I don't care what you did. But you don't know who I really am. Well, you don't know who I really am. It doesn't matter. It's a lie from the pit of hell. We get about 10% of the good news. I get to go to heaven when I die. But boy, earth's sure gonna be hell. 
don't see that in the Bible. It's much more than our salvation. It's our freedom and our joy every day. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present you with the truth of the Scriptures with a warning. The freedom found here scares many Christians, especially those who have known Christ for a while. I, I talked about some of these verses at a church plant about three years back. And this guy walks up to me and he goes, you can't tell new Christians about their freedom in Jesus. I'm not making this stuff up. He said that. I said, but it's in the Bible. I, I know it's in the Bible, but you can't tell new Christians about their freedom in Jesus. And I looked him straight in the eye and I said, okay, but help me figure out how long do I have to lie to them? You are not going to serve God because he's some father with a whip in his hand. I'm not serving that God. I'm running away from that God. But a father who loves me, a father who still wants to go golfing with me, a father who has me in the phone as his best buddy, a father who loves every moment with me. When my son messes up, I don't want to smack him. I want to hug him. And if he really messes up, I just want to bring him home and pull him in tighter. So we're going to hear these verses out before the stoning begins. <laughs> Romans 5.1, which I don't know how conservative this church is, but I love this verse so much, I tattooed it on my arm. <laughs> I have every niche about tattooed across my knee. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, I've been made right, and either I've been made right in God's sight, or that is a lie. Take out your Bibles and cross it out. You don't know who I am. I'm a wicked sinner. Okay, I got it. Cross that part out. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. I don't get your part in that, do you? Or mine. I got nothing to do with that. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you stand before him right now holy and righteous, in a place of undeserved privilege. That's the whole gospel. And to deny that is to deny what Christ did. And you can say to me, Rick, I don't deserve to be there. I know Paul just said that. He just said, Christ has brought you in this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. I don't deserve, I know. He knows, you know, your, your wife knows. Just hope your kids don't write a book about you someday. <laughs> Shouldn't have been. Wow. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I've always said that heaven on earth is, does anybody know where heaven on earth is? Because I do. Can you shout it out? Disneyland. <laughs> or Disney World. I've always said if Disneyland... I have season passes. My son and I have season passes. If Disneyland put in a Starbucks, there would be no reason to leave. They put in four in the last year. 
They're building the fourth one. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, I know you. Man, I know you love me. Listen, I got into Disney World for multiple years for free with my whole family because because a guy who was a sports director there when he was 14 years old, I baptized him. And I got in free. I got in free. I didn't deserve to be there. I didn't pay. People are paying 100 bucks a pop, 100 bucks a kid to get into Disney. I promise you, my wife and I had two children, not three or four, for one reason. I knew I couldn't afford Disney tickets for four children. You think I'm making that up? I'm not. Okay. I don't go into Disney World and go, I don't deserve to be here. I ride Space Mountain. I enjoy every second of where I am. It's an undeserved privilege. And God is saying, I want you to begin to enjoy this world, not endure this world. Endurance stinks. It's a horrible way to live. I got to tell you, there was a time just a few years ago where I was so depressed. If you're there, I was there. And you say, Rick, what do you mean depressed? I'm talking gun to my head, depressed. And it wasn't until I began to understand the grace of God's word and who I really was that that began to be broken and go away. You are as beautiful and as precious and amazing in God's sight as you ever will be. To deny that is to deny what Christ did. In Galatia, there had arisen this group known as the Judaizers, and they believed that the way to go to heaven was through Jesus and keeping the Ten Commandments, the Jewish law. And Paul, who writes to every church, read through the epistles of Paul, within the first chapter, first few verses, I thank God for you, I love you, I long for you with affection, uh, thanks for your fellowship in the gospel. He didn't write any of that stuff to the Galatians. You want to know why? Because he is so mad at them. And you know why he's mad? Because they said it's Jesus and the law. The apostle Paul wrote the book of Galatians to counteract these lies. Verse 6, he says, for chapter 1, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Stop adding to the gospel. But it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Galatians 2.16, he said, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ Man, it's going to blow you away. Don't throw the stone. Not by obeying the law. What? I'm made right with Jesus even when I don't obey the law. <gasps> Heresy will throw stones at Paul. You wouldn't be the first person to have done it. And we believe in Jesus so that we may be, and he says it again, so that we may be right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Let me put you through a litmus test. I don't know what your big dark is. 
I don't know what your secret is. I don't know what you're sitting there hoping that nobody else ever finds out. But we all got that, don't we? We all got that minister's black veil thing going on. Let's suppose that you've had a bad week, man. You have failed miserably. You keep, <clears throat> you keep dropping back into that sin. Man. You, keep, you keep falling. Does God love you just as much right now as if you hadn't had a bad week? Last night I blew it. I blew it so big I can barely go before God. Oh my gosh, he sees my sin. He hates, I don't understand how he could love me. Oh, last night I was pretty good. I conquered. I got a great day with God. He doesn't care either way. It does not affect how much he loves you. He's not going to make your car break down because you messed up. If your car breaks down, it's because it's a Ford, not because Jesus is mad at you. Man, I'm telling you everything that goes wrong, God must be mad at me. Man, storm the podium if you want to. But if you have faith in Christ right now, then you are right with God no matter what your lifestyle is. Whoa, that's scary. What? Let me tell you something. If God wants you at that door, or God wants you in Afghanistan, or God wants you in California, or God, he is going to get you there. Even if I'm in the midst of sin, oh yeah, and it ain't going to be easy. It's going to get ugly. He's going to dip you in glue and drag you through a glass factory, but he is going to get you there. Or you can just walk there. It's your choice. But he is going to get you there. Well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I don't deserve. I know you don't. He said that. Get over it. You don't know what I've done. Who cares? You just, you just get on. I am not telling you that God wants to leave you where you are. He won't. He won't. And I am telling you that life will be easier if you simply jump in the river that is Jesus and you flow through. But if you stick back and go, I'm not going, he's going to say, who's bigger? <laughs> Mike makes right at camp and in Jesus. He's going to get you there. All you've got to do is kick back and enjoy it and stop saying, I'm not worthy. We get that you're not worthy, but we need you anyway. Man, if only the worthy could lead people to Jesus, we'd all go to hell. I know things about Patrick that would scare me. I've got pictures. Stop sending me those pictures. <laughs> Paul writes to what has to have been the most screwed up church in the history of the world, the Corinthians. And he writes, remember in Galatians, he's angry, man. Read his book. The only book you're going to see where he's really angry is, is the book of Galatians. To the first Corinthians chapter one, verse two. 
to the church of God in Corinth, to those who sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. He calls them saints. They were messed up, man. You know that whole verse in Corinthians, people always take it out of context about, you know, don't take of the Lord's supper unworthily. And so we say, you know, if you've sinned last night and you drink this cup, you're going to die and go straight to hell. That is not what the Bible is saying. Paul, when he says, don't drink of this cup unworthily, he's talking to the Corinthians because they would use communion as an excuse to get drunk. They weren't drinking a cup, they were drinking a bottle. And Paul calls them saints because he understood that they were on the road towards the door. They were messing up. They didn't deserve to be there, but they were on the road. So are you. Get over the self-hatred. It's not helping anybody out. Making everybody else around you miserable. Get over it. Get over the self-condemnation. It's unbiblical, it's evil, and it's wrong. Get over it. I'm not worthy. I know you're not. Man, I just hope nobody writes a book about my life. None of us are worthy, but that's the whole gospel. You know how you break through the power of sin and death? I, I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm a shortcut. The same way you got saved. But you say, but Rick, I, I get you. You don't want to struggle with that sin. It burdens you. You hate it, and you, you should, and I hate mine, and the whole nine yards, but I can't hate me. Because then I can't talk to you. I can't. I can't hate me. I've got to say, Lord, I mess up. I screw up. Here's how I deal with that. And the Bible is very clear, but I don't have time to get into it. But it's a matter of getting on your hands and knees every night or every morning and simply saying, Lord, I love you and I'm submitted to you. By digging into your word, by just trusting that you really are a God who saved me, that you really are a God that will change me. The deeper you go into the word of God, the deeper you go into the prayer, the more you're going to wake up one day and find out that most of those things just fell away. Man, I, I'm saved from myself the same way I'm saved from death and sin, just by believing that Jesus is going to continuously work in my life. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're gun to your head. I don't know if you're just struggling, but I know that God loves you. I know that the cross is enough. I know that Jesus is enough. I know that you're a masterpiece. I deal with kids who are on, I, I just let a 17-year-old heroin addict to Jesus. In Simi Valley, man. We have one kid a month dies of heroin overdose in Simi Valley. And I'm, I'm sitting across from this guy. and He's scratching. He's got the sores that heroin and meth bring. Face is broken out. He's itchy. But he just wanted to know Jesus. And man, I just, want, I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to hug him. I wasn't mad at him because his life was all filthy and foul. It made me love him more. You think Jesus is going to give up on him because he's still battling with heroin? Then you don't know my Jesus. My Jesus says, Rick, you connect with him. You love him. You keep reaching out. And Rick, when he says he's going to get pure and he stays pure for a few months, but he falls and he goes back to the addiction, you love him. You never disconnect with him. And that is how God feels about you. 
Make no mistake. That's the whole gospel. Stop enduring life. It's too stinking long to endure. And too short not to enjoy. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. Jesus, you said, you said, you quoted Isaiah in the synagogue. You said, I have come to set the captives free. We are free in you and the cross is enough and you are enough and you love us and you will not love us anymore if we act so righteous. You'll never love us any more than you already do. We're your children. In your phone, my name is best friend, son, righteous one, holy one, loved one. I am your masterpiece, and so is every individual in this room. Paint a beautiful picture on them, Father. Anoint this church, this pastor, with the oil of joy above all others. We worship and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for having me.